So we, uh, we're continuing, this is a week four in our, our series, um, Do What Makes You Not Happy But Holy. And uh, our, we're, we're looking at um, the Ten Commandments, or as we've called them, the Ten Principles. And if you haven't been here, I really strongly recommend that you go to our website, coastbible.org, and check out at least the first sermon. Uh, this was a month ago. Uh, because it kind of sets the stage for how we're approaching the Ten Principles. It explains why I call them the Ten Principles. It, we do a little bit of the work with the Hebrew there. Um, and it's just, it kind of sets the stage because what we're saying week in, week out, is that the culture tells us, go do what makes you happy. Right? That's what we're told to do. But we've seen that the ten principles are designed for a different way of seeing the world. And that way of seeing the world is do what makes you holy because holiness is what makes happiness possible. Holiness is what makes happiness possible. It doesn't guarantee happiness. There are no guarantees of happiness in this life. Uh, for those of you who've, who are or have suffered, you know this. But if you truly want to have the type of flourishing God-ordained life that to fulfill human potential and destiny, holiness is where you start. And so each week we're going through one of the principles. And this week is the fifth principle, the, the fifth commandment. Let's, let's read it together. Honor your father and your mother as Yahweh your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and it may go well with you, that you may prosper in the land Yahweh your God is giving you. Um, I don't know, uh, I, I, anecdotally, I've been seeing a lot of articles written by uh, boomers and, and to some extent Gen Xers complaining that the, the millennials and the Zoomers, so I'm, I'm a, technically a millennial, we have some Zoomers here, are, are incredibly disrespectful. Has that, if you're, if you're a coaster here, that means you're 55 and over. Is it your opinion that you're seeing a lot more disrespect from the younger generations. Any just, <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Yeah, okay, yeah. You don't have to be a, a boomer gen X. But have you kind of noticed this? That's the first thing here is, um, there, anecdotally, this is, I'm seeing this a lot. Uh, Marilyn, next slide. Um, to the point that, did you, did you hear about the Chick-fil-A in Pennsylvania? Do you hear about this? So uh, there's this Chick-fil-A, and we talked about how great Chick-fil-A was last week during uh, the Sabbath uh, sermon. But this Chick-fil-A has sent a letter to everyone in the town um, over Twitter and then, you know, various social media saying, we will no longer allow unaccompanied minors 16 and under into our store. And the reason is, is that these kids, 16 and under, were coming in, like, after school and berating the, the people who worked there, um, stealing things, screaming obscenities. And, and, and finally, the, the management was like, this, you're taking away the family environment that Chick-fil-A works so hard to create. And so they have disallowed, unaccompanied, Brady, how old are you? 15. Brady is not allowed to go by himself to Chick-fil-A in Pennsylvania. You're cut, buddy. Um, then the, uh, the next number three, the, the, we don't have the hard data yet, uh, but this is a truly frightening statistic. Researchers are estimating uh, that for, for Zoomers, um, that's, I guess, everyone born after, what, like 2001 or something, um, 
10 to 16% will be diagnosed with oppositional defiance disorder. That is a shocking statistic because uh, right now, um, for the millennials, only about 2 to 4% are diagnosed with this. If you don't know what oppositional uh, defiance disorder is, it's, uh, it's a child, um, usually around the ages of eight and up, who display a very easily irritated, very rebellious, scream at parents, refuse to do what they're told. Um, and it, it's, it's so, it's so it, it totally destroys uh, peace in the home. Um, and it also spills over into schooling environments, uh, church environments, any, any community environment. That, if that's true, that 10% of Zoomers, let's say nothing of 16%, are going to be ODD, we, we are looking at a, a culture-wide crisis in terms of respect. Now, part of the reason, part of what's going on is that we, especially in the United States of America, have a culture of irreverence, okay? Uh, if you think about, well, I, I, have, a, I have a clip from uh, The Greatest Showman. Can we, can we, can we do this one? Okay, yeah, so P.T. Barnum is taking the crew to meet Queen Victoria. Oh, the sound. There we go. Your Majesty, Mr. Phineas T. Barnum and his oddities from America. Your Majesty, may I present Mr. Barnum. The honor is mine, Mr. Barnum. And I've heard all about your little colonel from my friends in America. General, ma'am. You're even smaller than I imagined. Well, you're not exactly reaching the top shelf yourself, sweetheart. of course, is that, um, so yeah, that was uh, Tom Thumb uh, mouthing off to Queen of Detroit, which may have actually happened. Uh, we have differing accounts, but that may have, something like that may have actually occurred. The point is, is that Americans especially are, are we're, I mean, how do we get started with a rebellion, right, against England? And ever since then, we've had, as part of our cultural DNA, a tension between being irreverent, questioning authority, uh, being super independent, but at the same time trying to maintain a sense of the sacred and, uh, uh, and the good. If you look uh, at the text one more time, just, just look at the word honor. Um, honor in, in Hebrew is, uh, is uh, kaved, and it's closely related to the noun kavod, which is the word for weightiness or heaviness. Honor is, is that sense of gravity, of, of importance, of, of, of sacredness um, that we are losing touch with in our culture. 
Um, I, I, I remember very specifically experiencing it. When I was in junior high school, my dad was a, our history teacher, and he led a trip to Washington, D.C. And I remember going, and two times while we were there, my dad, who was not a crier at all, got choked up. The first was at the Vietnam Memorial. And the picture here of it, the Vietnam Memorial has over 58,000 names of, of service people who are no longer with us. And every time my dad went to DC, he had a couple of friends that didn't make it back. And so he would go and he would look and he would find their names on the wall. And in that, in that experience of, of just seeing the magnitude of sacrifice that these people made, he, he like, there was, there was a weight to it. There was a heaviness I remember when we went to Arlington National Cemetery, even a whole bunch of squirrely junior higher kids, we all, we all kind of quieted down. And at the entrance to Arlington, there's a, a plaque, or at least the entrance that we used, and it's a, it commemorates the lives of those who were lost. You may recall that in the 1970s, uh, after the Shah fell in Iran, um, the Iranians uh, took Americans hostage. And one of the things that President Jimmy Carter did is he, he sent like a rescue mission um, with a couple of helicopters and some GIs to go and break them out. Well, a sandstorm got kicked up and everyone was lost. And one of the pilots uh, was named Lynn McIntosh. And he was one of my dad's friends from, from, uh, from back in pilot, school, pilot training. And so he looked at that and he read the name to me and he told me the story. And there was this, this like, That's honor. When honor is displayed by children to their parents, uh, it, it, assuming that the parents are not bad parents, that they're good. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But assuming that you've got decent parents, um, that, that sense of gravity of honor, that, that it, it shows up in obedience. It shows up in respect. It shows up in recognizing how important the relationship is. And that's the first thing, in your, or second thing in your note sheets. The fifth principle, there should be a weightiness in our relations with our parents. And that, can, that, that and as we'll talk about in a little bit, that can be even in situations that are fraught with dysfunction, fraught with abuse sometimes, but there's still a, a calling to have a weightiness. That doesn't mean you can't have fun with your kids. Um, in fact, I, I like to think of myself as relatively irreverent, um, and I like to banter with them and... and poke them and make them, you know, upset a little bit. Uh, it, it brings me a lot of happiness. It's fun. But, the, but at the same time, uh, I, I expect and I hope that we all recognize the gravity and how sacred it is that God has instituted parents and children in a special type of relationship. Now, now let's look at the, the rest of, of this, this text here. Why do this? So that you may live long and that may go well with you, that you may prosper in the land that Yahweh your God is giving you. There's a very, the, the, all of the principles are designed to create a flourishing community. This is very specific. This is the first time where um, the text explicitly tells us, if you have a culture of honoring parents, of honoring elders, you will do well. You'll have a longer life overall. Things will go better with you in general. Why is that? Well, in one of the uh, more horrifying texts uh, of Deuteronomy, much later, um, God expands on this. Uh, This is from Deuteronomy 21. 
If someone has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him, his father and mother shall take hold of him, drag him to the elders at the gate of his town. Uh, that's where like the, uh, the town uh, bosses would kind of gather to discuss the, the business of the town, sort of like a city, city hall. They shall say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey. He's a glutton and a drunk. Then all of the men of this town are to stone him to death. Just so you know, as far as we know, this never happened. No one ever actually stoned to death uh, a, a rebellious son. But we do know that they were exiled very often. Why? You must purge this evil from among you. All Israel were here and be afraid. Doesn't that seem a little bit harsh? Like, really? You got one kid who's like, a, he's fat and drunk and he doesn't listen to his parents? We, we, what? We got to kill him? Or at the very least, exile him? That's, that's crazy. Why can't, can't we have a little bit of grace here? Right? Like, isn't there a way that maybe we can, you know, turn this little guy around and, and do better? I mean, skip, skip the next slide. Um, because it's, it's, it's mistaken. I shouldn't have put it there. I meant to delete it, but I didn't. Um, but, but, but think about this. This is interesting. Okay. In 2022, last year, over 6,000 miners were injured or killed by gun violence. It's the largest on record in the United States. Next. From 2019 to 2020, teen homicides rose 30%. That's the highest on record since 1980. Number three, homicide, this is crazy. Homicide is now the leading cause of teen deaths in the United States of America. Murder. More than cancer or car records, car accidents, for the first time in history. I wonder, we're talking about kids killing each other, like literally killing each other. I'm wondering, what, what kind of relationship do these kids that are stabbing and shooting each other have with their parents? Just in case you were going to get racist, uh, this is not just um, any one particular race. Every single one of our ethnicities is going through this, perhaps most shockingly in the Asian American community, because the Asian American community tends to really highly value um, respect, but that's, that's, that's falling apart. How many of these kids that are killing each other are, you know, from a safe, intact home? How many of them are, you know, have really great parents that they they love and that they respect because those parents are doing right by them? I'm going to take a wild guess. I'm going to say 0%. The point is, the reason God has this super harsh, like, purge the evil from your community is God knows what happens when a culture of disrespect and dishonor takes place. God knows what happens. It's like a cancer. It metastasizes. It spreads. It's not just one guy who doesn't listen to his parents. It becomes a culture of impunity, a culture of rebellion. And in a culture of rebellion, what follows is chaos. In the United States of America, where we have these communities, it is devolving into violence on, on, at record levels. 
we're going to talk more about um, murder next week. Uh, that's the, the sixth principle. But for now, suffice it to say that God understands what happens when respect, when honor, when the weightiness and the sacredness of the child-parent bond, when it breaks down. And when it breaks down culture-wide, everything falls apart. Conversely, when there's a culture of respect, when there's a culture of honor, when, when the community knows how valuable the, the, it is for, for, for students and parents to, uh, students and children to respect their parents, how much that contributes to thriving. It, it, can, it, it makes a land holy. Most cultures, by the way, throughout human history have not had this, this, this characteristic. And if you look at cultures across history, you see the total lack of thriving of, of, of humans reaching their potential. Instead, it's incarceration and violence. That's the next thing in your note sheets. The fifth principle, a culture without parent honor is a culture committing suicide. But we do have to address the elephant in the room, and that's this. It says, honor your father and mother. But I don't know about you, um, but there have been times, not many, when I have not been a perfect father. I'd say maybe like three or four times total. <laughs> but it has happened. Um, Erin's flawless. Don't need to worry about her. I have a friend. Uh, she has uh, or had an alcoholic and abusive father. Um, and she, she, describes, she describes family units in terms of hurricanes. Because no matter, no matter how, how good your family is, there will be like storms and weathering that you have to, bad weather, right? There's going to be times where there's friction. No matter how holy and intentional and wonderful you are, uh, there's going to be times where the family unit is, honestly, if the parents aren't acting in a way that really deserves that much respect. We're being honest. And so she says, let's say that you're, say that you're like a really intentional, holy, godly parents. She says, your family goes through like a category one hurricane. Cat one. It's bad weather, but it's not terrible. Right? Uh, you, these are parents that are intentional, working hard. Cat two would be parents that she's like, you know, they, they're, they're maybe not super intentional, but they're around. You know, they're, they're doing the best that they can, uh, despite the fact that they've got other things on their plate. A cat three hurricane would be parents who are like distant, maybe not actively harming kids, but maybe ignoring a little bit, uh, maybe kind of focus more on their own situations and lives. She says, though, that there are such things as cat four and cat five families. A category four hurricane would be a family where there's a serious dysfunction in at least one of the parents that is actively... Uh, detrimental to the health and the, and the safety and the emotional security of a child. And then there's cat five, and that's how she would describe her own experience with her father, that uh, it's so horrible that um, it's, it's just abuse. And the best that can be done on a cat five hurricane is you batten down the hatches um, and you weather out the storm because assuming that you, know, you don't have a choice about who your parents are. And unless you get sent into the system, like you're just going to have to endure until you are either emancipated or you turn 18. And I don't know um, the backgrounds of everyone here. I, I got to tell you, my parents were 
we had a cat one family, and I am super, super grateful for that. Um, looking back uh, at, <laughs> at, at me being, you know, arrogant and rebellious, it, it's the dumbest thing in the world because I had really, really great parents. But that's not the case for everyone here. There are some of you here who had cat two, cat three, cat four, cat five experiences in the home. The problem is that God still asks that you honor your parents. This is something that's really, really hard. Um, And I've counseled and talked to so many people who have had horrible experiences with parents. Um, And it it doesn't mean that you obey and respect them all the time. Because especially in some of the Cat 4, Cat 5 cases, you have to actually disobey to do what's right. Um, in some of those situations, you're just surviving as best you can. But God does not want us to forget the weightiness of how things are supposed to be. God doesn't want us to forget that even though you come from a situation that's badly, badly dysfunctional, that the idea of parents and children, that divinely ordered hierarchy, it is something to be cherished. Even when it's deeply damaging, it's something to remember that this is good and it should have been better. It's funny, they, they have the, the law about what to do with the stubborn and rebellious son. They don't, they don't share a law about what to do about bad dads. Bad moms. And the reason for that is because the culture depends on it. The community depends on it. Of finding a way to hold fast to that weightiness, that sacredness in the midst of Cat 5 crisis. And so that's the last thing on your note sheets. The fifth principle. It's really hard. And I'm not denying that. But God asks us to honor our parents even when they don't deserve it. And if all that's true, it, it brings up uh, some really, really important questions. The first one is uh, for you teens, young adults. Are you honoring your parents? If, if you're in a cat one, cat two, cat three type of environment, are you showing obedience and respect? And if not, why not? You may think that you've got really great reasons. And you may actually have really great reasons. But honor is a powerful thing. And if it's set deep in your heart, it's not just going to make your family experience better at home. It's going to lead to as God says, for the most part, a long life and flourishing in the land. And so I ask teens, young adults, those of you who do maybe battle with with dishonoring or disrespecting, please, please, please 
consider this in prayer. And if you have questions about what to do in, in your specific um, experience, of course, you can talk uh, to Rachel um, and Bill. You can talk uh, to Lindsay and Nate. Those are our uh, high school and, and junior high leaders. You can talk to me. I'd be happy to, to share some strategies for what it looks like to honor in tough situations and, and what it looks like that you kind of owe your parents. I mean, you may not realize this yet, but they've given up a lot for you. Like, I've, I've been parenting for 11 years. It sucks. It is hard. You have no idea. Um, it's like, ah, you crazy little loon, I love you. Number two, parents. Uh, are your kids honoring you with obedience and respect? If not, why not? Part of that may be on you. Part of it might be because you're not setting the right example. Might, might be that you need help with how to do it. But that what, what you, but what you want, and it, it, not just for the sake of your family and your kids, but for the entire community, you want them to be in that space where you're being intentional, you're being not perfect, but doing the best that you can, and and seeing the results of honor and respect and obedience. It might not be your fault. There's, you might have a kid that's just stubborn as all get out, and you might have to go to DefCon. Five to, to take care of that. But the toughest love is the best love because in the end, as hard as it is now, like, man, it's going to be so much better for your child, your family, your community if you do the hard things today. And if you're wondering, what do I do? I, I'm out of options. I don't know what to do. We've got two parenting small groups coming up. Um, Jonathan and Katie Ordunia are going to lead one. I know that uh, Liz and Lou are doing one for older uh, uh, children. I'm doing one, uh, Aaron and I, with uh, Doug and Jen. They're leading it. We've got a lot of opportunities for parents to get support and, and recognize this is tough. That we're, in, we're in the middle of it, um, but there's hope. Man, there's hope. So please reach out if you need that help. Number three, judge your community. Is this place a parent honoring one, or is this a place that is committing suicide? I want to say that I think this place is awesome. Um, even our worst kids, and there's a lot of you here today, uh, even our worst ones are like great. I love them. I kind of like the squirrely ones a little more too. Like the ones who are like pushing like... They're, they're, they're funny. Listening to terrible music, though, uh, please sh- shut, shut off Jake's Spotify, okay? He shared with me a list of songs that he was listening to. I was like, man, these are really good songs, but they're really sad, too. So I think we're doing well here, and, and uh, I think what's important about that is that when we do have kids on the edge, we bring them together. Last thing, um, and, and this, is, this is it. For some of you who have those Cat 4, Cat 5 parental relationships, what does healing look like? First, if you're in it right now, you need to let somebody know. Um, I am a mandated reporter, but if you are in an abusive environment and you are a minor, you need to let me know. We need to, we need to make you safe. Um, number two, if you've experienced abuse, um, you have a huge path ahead of you. And I know that um, some of us here have gone through that, and I know a few stories of people who've gone through that, uh, like Gary, for example, who um, who had some some tough stuff, and and there's a process of life of moving to a place of healing and ultimately forgiveness, ultimately recovering 
that weightiness, that sacredness, even if it requires like setting crazy boundaries and saying no to this and protecting from that, but you have to do it. You have to do it for the sake of your family, for your heart, and also for the community around you. Because what we're really looking for is a great Thanksgiving. You got a picture of Thanksgiving here. Thanksgiving is that time when like the whole family gets together. And the potential is for total disaster, right? In fact, a lot of us have these, these Thanksgivings where like, you know, one uncle is like super right wing and the other one's like super progressive and woke. And it's like, but the idea is if we have a culture of honor, of respect, of weightiness in the family, then we have the potential, the possibility for a beautiful experience of human community and thriving. The kind of experience that we all secretly long for, but sometimes it seems like it's out of our reach. But if we begin today making a commitment to re-up our intentionality as parents, to re-up our willingness to honor from our kids— Thanksgiving is going to be great. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank you for family. We thank you that you've instituted parents and kids. We know it, it, it doesn't always work. We know that there's pl- plenty of places where there's just real damage and real dysfunction. But God, we also see the vision that you have the vision for loving, intentional parents of honoring, respectful, obedient children who live long and thrive in the land that you've provided. Gut our hearts, God. Gut our hearts for we as parents, the flaws that we have, the mistakes that we make. Gut our hearts uh, as those of us who are still children, um, teens, young adults, and and even those of us who, who have parents still alive. Got our hearts to be better, recapturing that weightiness, recapturing that gravity, that heaviness, the sacred nature of the parent-child relationship. And may we as a community thrive and gather in light and love, in good order, that we reach the potential you've set for us and do your will. In Jesus' name, amen.